Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. Family Values is the series that we've been in for the last several weeks now. Let's just, uh, if, we, if you could do your pastor's heart good this morning, let's just see how well we know them, all right? So uh, we are a, say them with me now, gospel-obsessed family of kingdom people who see generosity as our response and joy as our default. And last week, what we talked about is how we carry the name, how we are ambassadors for Christ himself. We are, we are representing him. We are representing the fragrance of who he is everywhere we go, in every environment, in every space, in every conversation that we have, we're representing him. And that's why an offshoot of carry the name for this week is that our words matter. Words matter. If we say that we are carrying the name of Jesus with us, then our words ought to reflect that value. Amen? And so we're going to be drawn in today how powerful words are. Taylor said this in the rally, and it is so true. You can't read much of your Bible without seeing the significance of your speech. I mean, it's just everywhere. You read the Proverbs, and you just, you're going to learn a lot about foolish people and how they love to run their mouth, and they love to just talk a lot, and they love to fill big spaces. You're going to learn about wise people and how they like to be quiet, and they like to listen. They like to ask questions. That's, I mean, that's a whole sermon right there in and of itself, isn't it? I remember early on when I first started working here at the church, Katie, every single day when I was going to the church, she'd be like, hey, remember, James 1, quick to listen, slow to speak. I say, amen, babe. That's a good reminder. Thank you. That help, that's helped me along the way, right? Some of you need to just take that verse. You need to take it home. You need to chew on that for just a little bit. And then you can just listen a little bit when you're in conversation next time. But words, words absolutely matter. Words are powerful. We're going to look at all, not all, but some of the key things that the Bible has to say about how we use our tongue because it is so significant. But you don't, you don't really need me this morning to remind you uh, the, the totality and the effect that your words can have. I mean, we think about how sticky words are. I, I could start singing Baby Shark and just ruin the rest of y'all's day, right? <laughs> Getting some of those words up in your head. If I say something like from, I mean, we used this a little while ago, but Dumb and Dumber, you do something like that and then you go and totally redeem yourself, right? I mean, that, like that line from that movie, is, it is gonna occupy territory in your mind forever, forever. Like that's always gonna be there. If I say Nike's slogan is just do it, right? If I say give me liberty or give me death, right? That phrase that was proclaimed has somewhat marked the trajectory of our nation, has it not? I mean, that like, man, some of y'all felt that way during COVID, make me wear that mask or I choose death, baby. You know what I'm saying? Like that was how some of y'all reacted like that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm just saying like words, man, they have this way of getting in us. They're sticky. They are memorable. They are, they are powerful. We, we, we mark so much of how we behave and how we act based on the words that we've heard. And we have a poem about our country and we put it to song and we call it the national anthem. Right, and we have a whole nation that knows that song. I bet we could still, if you want to stand up, put your hand on your heart, we could do the Pledge of Allegiance right now, even though some of you haven't sung that since elementary school, right? Like that, words, words have this way of moving people. Movements themselves are oftentimes, if you look at the big movements of the world that we've seen, um, it's often uh, backed by and fueled by rhetoric, is it not? It's, it's often the giftedness of one charismatic speaker who can lead people, who can say things in just a certain way. And that can lead people. I mean, think about how Winston Churchill just rallied his country. He rallied the world. And if you think about how Adolf Hitler 
ruined parts of the world. It was all, it was all brought by the power behind the tooth, right? There's so much to our words. And the first thing that we're going to look at today is how words have power. Words have power by themselves. Doesn't even really matter who's saying it. The words that are spoken out have power. Did God not make the whole world by what? The power of his word. He just spoke it all into existence. James 3 is where we're going to kind of find our land for a little bit today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that. We'll be in James chapter 3. And we're going to read a, a significant portion of scripture. We'll come in and out of this as we go. He starts... I thought I'd just include this verse right off the top. James chapter three, verse one. Not many of you should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. At first, I started outlining my sermon. I was like, ah, you know, I don't have to say that, but I will say it because I know that it's important. And I feel the weight of this sentence every single time when I'm sitting right here as worship's about to end. I feel the weight that, man, it matters what's coming out of our pulpits. It matters who you're listening to. It matters what teachers you are choosing to sit yourself under. It matters how we interpret and we look at the word of God as the absolute authority over our life. All of these things have weight. They have influence. And so it matters for teachers to teach the word well, because what this is saying, what James is setting up here is that words are influential. Words have power. And that's not this. Look, this verse, it's not just for me. How many of you have at one time, you've tried to be an expert on something that you actually didn't know anything about? (laughs) Man, it doesn't take me long for my kids to be like, how does that cell phone work? And I'm like, I I don't know, like satellites are involved. They're like, well, how does, how does this, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert here. I have no idea how this thing works, but it does work. And you're not having one. The answer is no. (laughs) Right? I would argue that you are more influential in circles than you probably ever give yourself credit for. Whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your coworkers, whether it's with people that you just sit next to at a soccer game on Saturday mornings, whatever the case may be, your words are influential and, and your leadership is determined by your influence and that influence is dictated by how well you use your speech, how well you teach, how well you talk. And so we ought to be responsible with. This isn't a word of warning as in no one should ever be a teacher. The Bible, if we read the rest of the New Testament, we see that it's a gift to be a teacher. It, it, is, a, it is a gift to be someone who is entrusted to steward the oracles of God. Like there is, a, I, I take a great delight and joy in what I do, but I carry a great responsibility with me in what I'm doing. And, and so it should be with us in our conversations about Jesus with our friends. So it should be with us in the way that we talk about the things of God with people that we interact with because we have influence. And so when it says here that not many should become teachers, we, we should know that our words matter. Our words matter. For we all stumble in many ways. And, any, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is, perfect. he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they will obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. You think about this, this beast um, that, that is, could just toss anybody at any time, right? Like plenty of strength, plenty of power that could just throw any rider off to the side, but it doesn't. Why? Because it has a bit in its mouth. This tiny little piece of metal steers all, uh, this gigantic creature and tells it where to go. He, he, he makes this even more visceral in the next sentence. He says, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. I want to be really clear when I make this point here, um, but I think that the words that you say are actually driving you towards the future that you're going to inhabit one day. 
So the things that are continually coming out of your mouth, the words that you speak, it is in some ways, it is, it is dictating the direction that you're going. Now, what I'm not saying, what I'm not saying is that we believe in some kind of hocus pocus, say it, say it, believe it, decree it. And if my, I want my 2013 F-150 to be a 2022 F-150, then I just got to say it in Jesus' name and that's going to happen in Jesus' name. No, I, I'm, let's just put out good vibes. Let's just put out things. That's, that is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you just get to manifest certain things by the words that you say. What I am absolutely saying is that to the degree in which you align your voice with the rules of the kingdom, the degree in which you align your voice with the voice of heaven, with the voice of God, if you are in alignment and you are speaking things that agree with what Jesus has already said, then you are in some way going to be driving yourself towards something. And so if what's coming out of your mouth is always uh, blaming, if it's always victim, if it's always taking, taking things that ought not to be so, and you're just, you're just complaining and you're whining and you're just going this direction all the time, that is going to steer you somewhere. But if you use your mouth, if you use your voice, just like the rudder of a ship, if you use it to align with what God has said and you call blessing out of people, you, you encourage people as you go, you, you use your voice to build people up, that will dictate the direction you're going. So I'm not saying for a second that we just get to put it out in the universe and the universe sort of just manifests whatever we want to say. That is, that is malarkey, if I can say it that way. There's other words I'd want to use, but that's not what I'm going to do this morning in church. Come on, somebody. Words matter. But what I am going to say is that if you want to use your voice to agree with heaven, that's how you're going to ask for heaven to come. And so I'm not going to agree with the circumstances as I see them. I'm also not just going to word of faith always just declare that this sickness be gone in Jesus' name and just know that that's going to happen automatically. But if I don't say it, and if I don't align my voice with what God has said can happen, then it won't happen. Do you see that? So I'm going to ask and I'm going to pray and I'm going to petition and I'm going to use my voice and I'm going to pray things in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask for healing in Jesus' name and I'm going to beg and I'm going I'm to say, Holy Spirit, won't you come in this situation? And then God's going to do what's God's, what God's going to do. If you say to this mountain, move, jump, and it goes into the ocean. If you say it in faith, it will happen. That's what Jesus says. If you say it, the impossible can happen. We don't want to take this all the way out to the air of saying, if we say it, it does happen. Because guess what? No one in this room is God. But I will use my voice to align with what God said can happen. Does that make sense? The words are going to shape the world we're living in that we choose to use. Just like the ship is driven by a small rudder, just like a horse is driven by the little bit in his mouth, so your word, so your tongue, it's small, but it boasts great things. He goes on to say later in verse five, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. I would just love to think about that when you're brushing your teeth in the morning. Just like, oh, it's just a world of unrighteousness. You know what I mean? Nobody does that. I'm just kidding. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. You want to know how something like the Holocaust happens? It's because what Adolf Hitler did is he, is he used his voice to dehumanize the Jewish race. And so as he put his, as he got this movement building around the words that he was crafting, the words that he was using, he was able to make these humans less than human. 
And as he did that, then it gave permission to, for Germany around him to rally behind the fact that they could do this to Jewish people because they were seen as less than people. What's happening right now is what do we, we don't call people who are pro-abortion, pro-abortion. We call them pro-choice. Why? Because it's language, because words matter. So we don't say things like uh, baby anymore in the womb. We call it a fetus. We call it a clump of tissue. And that makes abortion possible in the world we're living in today. Do you believe that, church? If we were to choose to use our language correctly, we're not just pro-life. I love the way Embrace Grace says that we're pro-love. We are for people. We are for human beings. That baby in the womb is a baby. It's, a, it's made in the image of God. This is why we're pro-life. It's, it's not because of some uh, political stance we've chosen to take. It's because we're gonna use our language correctly when we talk about these things because we're not willing to settle for anything less than human when we're talking about human beings made in the image of God. And so when even you think about the great Martin Luther King, we hold these truths, or I'm sorry, somebody else. I have a dream, right? I have a dream that one day all men will be seen as equal. These words are powerful and they're pertinent and it's important that we choose to use them correctly because movements and, and catastrophic error, you think about a whole forest being set ablaze by the words we're using, that's how it happens. You get these things that just seem like they're off alignment. Just, is it really harmful to call it a fetus instead of a baby? Well, look what it's leading to. Look, what it's, look, to the, look at the destruction that's in its wake of just changing these little, little uses, usages of language. Words are powerful. Words are powerful. It's not just that they're powerful, but our words, we have to recognize our words that we choose to say have weight. Our words have weight. If we look at all over the Proverbs, we can see this everywhere. I pulled out just a few verses that we can use. Proverbs 12, 18 says, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Wounding and healing are in the power of your tongue. And, and we feel the sting of this proverb before we even move on at all. Because we all know what it's like to be wounded by words at one point. Whether it was your dad at some point in your life who said things over and over and over and over and over again, you were never good enough, you were never accepted, you were never tolerated in your household. Whether it was a boss that let you go and he said some horrible things to you on your way out. Whether it was a, a friend who betrayed you by the language they were using and they were talking about you rather than talking to you. We have all these instances where we feel the weight of how people have used their words rashly, quickly, uh, inconsiderately, and they've cut us and they've cut us deep. Sticks and stones uh, may break my bones, but words may never hurt me. That is just as much malarkey as the other thing I was about to say. <laughs> like that is a lie from the pit of hell. Sticks and stones may break my bones physically, but words will hurt like hell. That's what it should say. <laughs> Am I right? Words are, words are so significant. But look at both sides of this verse. The tongue of the wise brings healing. And so church, what we have is we have the opportunity every time we're in a conversation with somebody, we can look at somebody and we can encourage them. We can look at somebody and we can call out what God's trying to call out in them. If you think about God trying to bring life in every situation that he's in, and if you think about the devil trying to lie, steal, and accuse towards everybody, notice how a lot of those things revolve around the words that he uses towards us, by the way then what gossip becomes is it's us aligning our voice with what the devil's trying to do rather than interrupt that process by speaking life over somebody. I just think that every opportunity we have, we should be looking as the church to be proclaiming the right things that we're seeing in the world, telling the truth about who Jesus is, aligning our voice with what agrees with heaven and speaking out loud. Like if you see somebody doing something awesome, 
Here's like a crazy idea. Say it out loud. Man, how often, like we're so cynical in our culture by nature. Like it is so much easier to join the symphony of cynicism, isn't it? They just complain all the time, whine all the time, berate all the time. Like that's normal. What's less normal is to go like, man, you know what? I saw you doing that yesterday and that just really encouraged my heart. Thank you so much. Man, last night we went to the, my son and I, we went to the Hillsong Chris Tomlin concert, right? Yeah, woohoo, for sure. It was amazing. And uh, uh, especially Hillsong. Nothing against Chris Tomlin. I don't want to start a fight, but Hillsong uh, is incredible. I, I was so proud of one of the dads, one of the dads that we were with. He, he grabbed all of our kids. We were with this little group of eight-year-old kids and he circled us up beforehand and he said, hey, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit would come. And so he made them put it on their lips. He said, hey, say this out loud. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, have your way with me tonight. There, there is this, there's this power that we can choose to, we can choose to like set things right with the words that we say. It is so much easier to complain, but it's so much better and so much more wise, as the proverb says, to speak life over people instead. I love the way that Eugene Peterson puts it in Proverbs 26, 18, in the message paraphrase. It says, people who shrug off deliberate deceptions, saying, I didn't mean it, I was only joking, you are worse than careless campers who walk away from smoldering smoldering campfires. Like we just, we feel this one differently in Colorado. You know what I mean? Like uh, there weren't like significant fires that were just like ashing us all summer this summer, but it happened the last few summers, right? And you think about like some idiot camper who leaves a smoldering campfire, like we just know don't do, you don't do that. But we're so quick to use sarcasm, aren't we? And we just shrug things off. I, I didn't mean it. Oh, we just, we throw things out there that have the potential to wound and then we dismiss them as cheap and insignificant. And what Proverbs is saying is that is, that is worse than being someone who walks away from a campfire that's still burning because you're just waiting to set somebody's world on fire when you do stuff like that. Don't use your words carelessly. It says, when you run out of wood, the fire goes out. When the gossip ends, the quarrel dies down. A quarrelsome person in a dispute is like kerosene thrown on a fire. You ever, like, is that... I remember one time we were trying to get a fire. This is a random story. I was, uh, I was probably 14, 15 years old. We were up in the mountains camping and uh, couldn't get this fire going. Parents and my brother, they, they went off. I had my friend Tony Pacello with me. Come on, Tony. And uh, they all went for a, a ride on the motorcycles and stuff like that. And the, the job was to get the campfire going by the time they got back. But it, was, it had rained a little bit. All the wood was a, a little wet. Like not wet enough to really like stop us, you know what I mean? But just wet enough that it was kind of making it hard. So what do we do? We, like, like any natural 15-year-old kid would do, we just dumped a thing of gas into a cup, right? It's like, man, if that thing's smoking, I bet it's got enough in it and just threw this cup on the fire. Boosh! Like it just, I mean, yeah, fire was going after that, (laughs) right? So imagine if you have a person now in front of you who has just a little bit of a wound, a little bit of a trauma, a little bit of an insecurity that they hate about themselves, and you're throwing out sarcasm. You're throwing out gossip with other people to them. You're using your words around them rather than talk to them. You're just asking to blow something up. You're just asking to do detrimental damage. Listening to gossip is like eating cheap candy. Do you want junk like that in your belly? Here's how you know if you're participating in gossip. Katie mentioned that she taught on this several months ago, and it was just amazing. Uh, the way the ESV says, it's like, it's like choice morsels. You ever been in that conversation where you're just kind of like, you're just like, oh man, this is good, right? Oh, like that's, oh, they did what? Can, oh, and as soon as you start to, you know what that feeling is like, right? Don't just leave my you pastor up here hanging right now. I know y'all have done it too. But you have that moment where you're all of a sudden you're starting to enjoy what's being talked about because it's that person that's always been a little bit better than you and you're just a little bit irritated about it, right? 
All right, you guys are just pretending like you don't know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. <laughs> you know you've shifted to an unhealthy level of gossip when you start to just go, oh man, that just, oh, that just goes down easy, right? What do we say now? All the kids are saying, give me the tea, spill the tea, right? It's this verse. It's this verse. It's like, oh man, that's so sweet to think about. It's so sweet to drink. Like it's this choice morsel going down into your belly. And that gossip is asking just to throw a flame onto somebody's spark of whatever they're dealing with. May it not be. May it not be in our church. Proverbs 18, 21, this is probably the most steep way that we can say it. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we get to choose. The way you use your tongue will determine what kind of fruit you're producing in the life around you. Words, so they're powerful, they're weighty, they have weight to them, but they're also revealing. And this is probably the least favorite point of the morning is that our words are revealing because Jesus says it this way to the Pharisees. He says, you brood of vipers, some choice words by Jesus. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What Jesus is pointing to here when he's talking to the Pharisees is something that we can actually all take a clue from, that what is coming out of our mouth is really just evidence of what's in our heart, right? And so people are walking around, they're saying, well, don't judge me. You don't know me. I don't have to judge you. I don't really have to know you. I can just look at the way you use your mouth and I can know what's going on in your heart. If you're lashing out in anger all the time, you probably have bitterness down in you somewhere. If you're, if you're always one-upping the people around you, if you're always just trying to tell that little bit better story, like, oh yeah, that's cool, but then I just got this thing in my mail today. If you're that guy, if you're that girl, it's probably because you're dealing with some insecurity that you're just trying to cover up. That's what's in your heart, right? I mean, we could just keep going on. If you're the person that is always, always speaking out like that you, you gotta look perfect all the time, you gotta say these things so you always look smart, you always look like you have your life put together, it's probably because inside you know that you're on some level, you don't have it all together. And so whatever's going on in here, ultimately what Jesus is telling us, it's, it's going to come out of your mouth. And so whether that's insecurity that you're trying to stuff down, whether that's loneliness or pain or shame or guilt, whatever it is, that's all gonna manifest itself in the way that you speak in some way. And so what, like the question becomes like, what hope then do we have? James said it himself, nobody can tame their tongue. We can tame all kinds of beasts. Like we can tame bears, we can tame lions, tigers, bears. Oh my, we can tame it all, you know? We can't tame our tongue though. We can't control this teeny little muscle in our mouth. And so what's the remedy? The remedy in James, we go back to James chapter three. It says, for every kind of beast and bird, a reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame his tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What James is showing us here that, um, man, there should, be a, there should be a consistency with our language that we're using. Like that we should be delivering things. Uh, we should be, we, like we should be the friend in, in our friend's life who they know what they're gonna get out of us. It's just always the same. Like if, if you were to go to your, we don't have springs that we go to for fresh water anymore, right? I go to my fridge. But if my fridge was poisonous one day a year, I just didn't know what day it was. You think I'd drink out of there ever? No, and so it is like us when we don't use our voice correctly in a moment, we teach people around us not to come to us with that. 
So what James is saying, there ought to be a consistency. Can a fig tree make some other kind of fruit? No, it makes figs. And so our only hope for an untamed tongue is a remade heart. Our only hope for an untamed tongue is a remade heart. Sorry, parents, for all of you who put soap in your kid's mouth growing up. I, I think I got some soap in my mouth when I was growing up. Not a bad play altogether. I, man, I had a friend. He would say some terrible stuff sometimes. And his mom would take a bar of soap, shove it in his mouth, grind it across the top of his teeth. You know what I'm saying? How many parents? You're like, yep, that was me. Come on. That ain't child abuse. That's just discipline, okay? Man, neither do we need the rubber band. We don't need the rubber band. We don't need the swear jar. Thank you very much, you know? Hey, throw a dollar in this jar every time you say a bad word. By the way, this message, not about cussing. You can speak a curse and never use a four-letter word. Now, should our, should our speech sound a certain way? Absolutely it should. What I'm talking about here is death and life from the pound of the tongue. Not if you bang your nail or your finger sometime when you're hammering a nail and you let something, I mean, sure, let's keep that under control. But what we're talking about today is that, no, I actually need something to come in and rearrange what's in me. Because what's in me is coming out of me and what's coming out of me, so many of you, you know the sting of what it's like to be on the receiving end of some words, but how much also do we feel the shame when we've said something that we can't take back? Man, diarrhea of the mouth is a, is a tough problem to have. And when you speak something out, when you say something, when you declare something, there is no way. I mean, what is the saying? It's like toothpaste. It's already come out of the, out of the tube. You can't get it back. Once you have spoken something, once you have, once you have said something over somebody, you can't undo what's just been said. And man, we know what it's like to be on the receiving end of that pain. And a lot of us, we know what it's like to be on the dealing end of that pain. And it's terrible. And so our only hope is for a remade heart. Our only hope is for a remade heart. The only way that you can change what's coming out of your mouth is to be spending time with Jesus. And, and listen, like this is where it really puts uh, you as a friend who are trying to give like some loving feedback because Proverbs also says uh, that it's better to receive wounds from a friend than kisses from an enemy. Meaning I would rather have a friend who would tell me the truth sometimes rather than just have everyone around me just say, oh man, you're just so amazing. Everything's so good, right? Like, listen, you have blind spots in your life and you can't see them because they're your blind spots. You following me there? So like, you don't know they are there but you have to ask oftentimes for friends to speak into those places in your life. I, I, have, I have two, three, four guys that I've said, man, if you ever see anything in me that is going off in a crooked direction, you have my express permission to come at me and tell me when things are going wrong. Like, come tell me, come tell me. You'll always know if you're in a good company of a friend, if the groundwork that you stand on in a conversation is first seated on love, because if I love you and if I see that you're made in the image of God and I, I believe in you, and if I come to you with that groundwork of love, then I can deliver hard things to you. But I can only do that if I'm willing to receive for myself first a teaspoon of grace. So once, my, once our conversation is framed on love and then rooted in grace, now we can begin to be friends who say hard things to one another. But man, if you're that friend who just has hard things to say to everybody around you, my guess is you're a lot less like the proverb, you're a lot more like a jerk. Oh, we can laugh, but it's true. Look for some people. I'm telling you, if you want to grow and if you want to get better, find some close friends who love Jesus, who you love, who will have that conversation knowing themselves they need some grace on their end as well. And they will tell you the hard things in your life and you will grow because of it. But if you want to go through life just thinking you're, everything is awesome and you're the Lego movie just over and over and over and over and over again, 
man, then just keep going in your life and never ask anyone to speak in. And then, and then do this too. Whenever somebody does try to speak into your life about blind spots that you have, just snap at them, bark at them, yell at them, and then you'll never grow. You'll never grow. I'm telling you the way to maturity in the Christian walk, the way to wisdom is to ask people to speak in. But the only way that we can control what's coming out of our mouth is that we can ask Jesus to come in and to make us new. And that's what it says there in James, that you're still never going to do it perfectly because you're not him. But man, if you ask him, if you abide in him, if you, if you emotionally just spend time looking at how Jesus interacted, you read how he spoke with people. If you see how he just walked and you, you like, listen, you, you have to know the voice of God towards yourself better than you know any person's voice out there. So spend time reading his word, spend time praying, listening for God to speak things to you. Because if you're, if you're so fickle that you're able to be defined by anyone else that's around you, 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 are, you are hopeless in this world. I will always die to comparison unless I come back to this rootedness in the Father. Why go, no, he's given me my portion. I, I can actually root for that person across. I can actually pray for Aaron Lucas over at City Point Church because I don't, I don't feel competitive with him because I knew who God's called me to be. I can have this anchor because I've spent time knowing the voice of the father and I can spend time listening to him and what he says about me, how he's made me clean, how he's adopted me into his family, how he's given me a purpose. He's given me a mission. And now I don't have to play these petty games that we get so caught up in, in the world we live in, where we're just always looking to cut other people down so we can get ahead. But if we're just always doing that, we're all just always getting shorter. Does it, right? Am I just, um, that makes sense to me. If we're just always running around with swords, cutting other people at the knees, like we're all losing in that way. No, like, Church, dream with me for a second. What would it be like if this was just consistently an environment that you stepped into where people were speaking truth and love, where people, people were calling out blessing, where people were speaking encouragement over you? Man, last, last night, we, Harrison and I, he's eight years old. We're leaving the Hillsong concert. He can barely talk to me in the backseat of my truck because his voice is so gruff. In that moment, I'm just a dad. I'm just like, my heart's melting, right? And I realized, hey, I'm talking about words matter tomorrow. We've been talking about the power of words all week, just with my kids on the way to school, before school, after school, at the dinner table. We've been talking about, man, there's power in our words. So I said to him, Harrison, I don't know if you're going to be a worship leader someday, but you have influence. Harrison, your friends look up to you. Harrison, you are positioned by God in your school to be a light in the place that you're living. Right? And I just keep speaking these things over my kids all the time. Parents, don't miss an opportunity to speak blessing over your kids rather than a curse. If they keep doing things wrong, guess what? They know they're doing things wrong. What they need is they need to hear a parent who loves them. They need to hear words that align with heaven and with who Jesus has called them to be. Amen? Let's read this last verse in Ephesians chapter 4 because I think this is the picture of what Paul has in mind for, his, for the church of Jesus Christ. It says, no, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up. Let's stop right there. What would it look like if we were a place where the only thing that came out of our mouth was useful for building up the body of Christ rather than cutting her down. He says, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander. My guess is those are the things that are in your heart if you're repeatedly spouting off things that you don't want to say. Spend some time with the Lord this week. Ask for him to reveal where you may be bitter where you're full of wrath, where you're full of anger. And that's why you keep overflowing, vomiting out of your mouth things that you don't want to say. Rather, let's let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice and be kind to one another, 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Church, I just imagine a place where we walk in every week or maybe guests come and maybe we use some kind of like Christian words they don't really know, but we, we take the time to explain it to them because we want them to be a part of the family, right? Where we come in and, and people have something in their teeth and we just like lovingly say, hey, you got, you got junk in your teeth. You know, like it's right there, right in the middle. I love you. I just wanted you to know before you go talk to those 80 other people that you're going to see this morning. What if we were a place where we just said, hey, listen, nobody else saw you do this thing, but, but I, I saw you leading those people so well. I saw you talking to those kids. I saw, you, I saw you building that person up. I saw you loving your wife. I saw you taking care of your kids. I saw this thing that you're doing, and I just want to say, keep going. Keep doing it. You're, you are doing a good thing. You can't see it maybe right now, but the kingdom of God is moving through you. What if we were just people who consistently used our mouths to build up what God was doing rather than to partner with the enemy and cut people down and to rob life from them at every, every turn? It's in our words, folks. It's in our words. Go ahead and stand with me as we close. We're going to read this value slide together. Here's how we've written it. Language is essential. With our words, we create the world in which we live. We seek to create and shape our culture by using words and phrases that accurately reflect the people we want to be and the things we endeavor to do. Words have the power to heal and the power to destroy. And so we are quick to listen, slow to speak. And everybody said, Yes, please, Lord. The words we speak reveal what exists in our hearts. And so we will choose language that builds up and encourages, even when it corrects and admonishes. We have slogans, phrases, and a lexicon that fits us. We unapologetically use the language of our faith, but we will always invite others in. Our language may be distinct, but we never want it to preclude someone's participation. We are tactful, thoughtful, and timely with our voice. Jesus, I pray that you would help us see how to use our voice to amplify what you're doing. God, would you help us see how we can use our voice to amplify what you're doing in somebody? Help us be the kind of people who will speak encouragement, who won't, who won't go a day without saying an attaboy or giving a congratulations or calling somebody out for doing something good. Would we be a place that has a language that feels familiar to people where people come in and we can explain to them how we're speaking so that they don't feel like there's barriers to belonging here, but they can actually see, no, okay, these people all, they, they live a certain way. They're distinct. They, they carry a different brand than what I'm used to seeing in the world. They talk different there. They look different there. God, help us be people who continually know the power and the weight of the words that we're using and help us choose them carefully and thoughtfully and slowly. Holy Spirit, would you come and help us in this? Our only hope is to have a remade heart. Jesus, only through your resurrection can we speak the way that you've called us to speak. And so we pray that your resurrection power would rest in us today. Think for just a second with me about the different places and the different areas where you're gonna be in your week this week. Just kind of run through your week in your mind's eye. Run through your calendar. Think about the conversations at the dinner table. Or if you're on the go and you're just throwing Chick-fil-A nuggets at the backseat of your kids as fast as you can. Just think for a second. Now, Holy Spirit, we invite you into those places that our voice might align with yours. We want your will to be done, Jesus. We want your way 
to happen, Lord. So have your way in us. Have your way with our tongue. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.